All right, welcome to episode 55 of the Two Touch Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Douglas, and as always, I'm joined by my boy, Tim Bones Bouts. Bones, how are you doing, doing today? Oh, I, oh, oh, I'm doing great. I'm very excited about this episode because the Euros are, are getting spicy. How are you doing? I, I think very similar to you. At least Germany had a nice little outcome yesterday for mm-hmm, me, so, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get into it, but I was flying high after that. Yeah, I bet. I, I, I didn't hear much from you, which is was a little bit surprising for, you know, I, was, I wasn't sure if you were okay or not, but <laughs> uh, I figured you were celebrating. So, yeah, uh, let's just jump right into it. So, we just concluded basically the first week of the Euros. For most of the groups, they've played two out of the three games so what we're going to do for this episode is we're going to kind of just we're going to go group by group talking about where the group stands as of today. A lot of them, all but one group still has one game left, meaning there's there's a lot to play for. So before we get into it, I just want to make clear because it is pretty funky the format of who gets to move on. It's not the most uh, obvious and intuitive thing. So just to give context, the top two teams from each group there's six groups get to move on. On top of that, four of the best third place finished teams from the group get to move on. So what defines best third place finished teams? Well, first they go to points. And then if that is not a differentiator enough, then they go to goal differential, then they go to goal scored, and then they go to wins. So a little weird, but that means four out of the six groups will have a third place finisher moving on. All right. And as of the recording of this episode, group a has wrapped it up. What has happened? Well, Italy won the group with ease, three wins, three pretty dominant performances. Even with today's match against Wales, they had all their backups and they were by far the better team. So they cruised along. Wales finished in second. Switzerland finishes in third with four points, there's a very good chance that they move on. Basically what all the commentators have been saying is basically if you finish in third with four points, there's you're most likely moving on. I think something crazy has to happen for that not to be the case, but it looks like if you get four points then you get to move on. So group a Italy, Wales, definitely going through Switzerland looking pretty good. My, my dark horse pick Turkey, didn't win a single game. So, yeah. I'm, uh, it wasn't even that they didn't win a single game. They didn't get a point. Well, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, they were horrendous. And you know what? I am I thought I was being really clever with that pick. Obviously, in hindsight, I was wrong. But it turns out a lot of people were making that dark horse picks, which makes it... Oh. Makes it... I don't know. Well, it, it, it makes people not double take the validity of our podcast and of your knowledge just because you know you took a shot in the dark it didn't work out but yeah. having having kind of um her uh what was it herd mentality of others who were looking out for turkey thinking that they over the past couple of i guess cycles for whether it's world cup or euros have looked pretty good they've been competitive at the very least so yeah, I, I don't fault you for that. I appreciate that. You could have been a lot harder on me. Moving on. So Group A's basically figured out. 
Group B. Let's move on to Group B. Still plenty to play for in this one. We got most likely Belgium is the winner. They've looked very good. In second and third, we have Russia and Finland each having three points. And then Denmark is in fourth with zero points. What's interesting about this is Denmark can still finish second technically if Belgium beats Finland and Denmark beats Russia and the net of those games is greater than two. What? That's not the best way to explain it. Basically, Denmark needs to... Denmark is behind Finland on a by two goals in the goal differential. Okay, so they need to make up that that margin by beating Russia by a certain amount or Belgium beating Finland by a certain amount combined. I did a really bad job explaining that, but does that make sense, Bones? That makes sense to me. Okay. Hopefully, so, our listeners don't get all corn fused and just say, you know, these guys are idiots. But yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, so it's really interesting because we're talking about third place finish. Third place teams need to get at least four points to have a chance to move on. In this group, there's a chance that the third place or the the second place automatic qualifier finishes with three points, and it would be really cool. I mean, Denmark sitting with zero points. They've obviously had to deal with their tragedy of uh, Christian Eriksen's Eriksen's um, heart attack in the first game. It's been a tough go at it but it'd be really cool to see them after all of this move on. So I'm definitely going to be pulling for, for Denmark against Russia this week. And then obviously Belgium doesn't really have much to play for. I think they kind of want to, they're playing Finland, Finland. I don't think realistic they'd have to beat Belgium by multiple goals to take the, the number one spot. So I don't know what Belgium does. I think they probably sit some of their best players. Lukaku probably gets a rest. De Bruyne might get some runtime just to try to get him back in shape. Cause he only played, he's only played 45 minutes so far. Um, but it will be interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, even with a not fully fit or non elite 11 for Belgium, you've got to imagine that they've got enough firepower to beat Finland. Finland, you know, it's a, a, it's a feel good story, very similar to um, Iceland's run in the 2016 Euros um, and World Cup, I guess. But, you know, they, they're, they're a small nation and not necessarily known for for as a footballing nation. So really feel good story, but I, I can't see them pulling any, any rabbit out of the hat yeah. against Belgium. So Denmark has a real shot. They just got to take, take care of their business and, and, and hope for the best. Okay, moving on. Group C. Again, kind of similar to Group B. It's relatively straightforward at this point. Netherlands most likely win it. They got six points, uh, and they're playing North Macedonia next, which is – just an unbelievable feat that they're in the tournament in the first place. So you expect Netherlands is even with their, all their backups playing to handle North Macedonia. The other match is what's interesting because Ukraine play Austria for second place. They both have three points. If they draw, there's a good chance both of them move on, but they're going to want to win. Both these teams want to win this. The draw is okay. I think maybe if it gets late into the match, they're not going to do anything risky and, and, you know, leave their defenses exposed, but they're probably going to go for the win early on. If one team wins, that means the other team most likely isn't going on because they'll finish with three points overall. We're, we're talking about four points for third place teams to move on. So Ukraine play Austria for essentially the second place. I think that is Tuesday. That's a, I think that's a Tuesday match. 
Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I, I just getting my days mixed up. I forgot today yeah, was Sunday. All the time now. We're getting old. Yeah. Yeah. So again, similar to Group B, there's one match from Group C that you're really going to be watching. It's Ukraine and Austria. A lot on the line there. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this is the case for you, uh, Ukraine. I've got to imagine it is because once again, not necessarily known as a footballing nation, other than you know guys that were that are now, I guess in their fifties. Is it Shevchenko? Was I don't know. Regardless, what are you um, trying to say? Who Who is the the big footballing star from the Ukraine? Yeah, Shevchenko. He's Shevchenko. their manager now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know if they've ever moved on in a major tournament. I know that Austria has not. So that would be pretty cool um, for either nation. This is priming to be a, uh, a a new probe by FIFA. Whether if they do draw, is there any collusion? I don't know. Collusion? Collusion, collusion. between Austria and Ukraine, like a, a nice handshake before uh, heading out of the locker room being like, yeah, do you want to kind of tank this game so that we both move on? Man, you're, you're evil. I mean, just the things that I think about. This is a squeaky clean sport with no corruption anywhere. And you're talking about cheating. Oh, uh, that's right. I forgot. That's what I thought. Okay. Let's move on to some of the other groups because there's, Actually, some groups that are not very straightforward and very spicy. Before we do that, though, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe and share this podcast. I said it in a previous episode, but the the Euros and the World Cup and these international tournaments are, for some reason, just great great times for either non-football soccer fans or or even just like the most casual of it to get involved and get you know interested in it. It's a tournament. For some people, for some reason, people can associate or, yeah, I guess associate with countries much easier than, you know, clubs and that sort of stuff. So I'm sure there's someone out there that wants to start watching the Euros, doesn't really know what's going on yet. Our podcast can help them out. So you'll be doing them a favor if you share it. All right. Trust me. Okay. Let's move on. Group D. Group D, this one is bananas. Okay. We're talking very exciting now. First of all, we got Czech Republic in first with four points and a plus two goal differential. We got this England squad that second favorites going into the tournament. All the English fans are super arrogant saying, you know, it's coming home. Say it every tournament. It never comes home. Mm -hmm. They're in second place with four points. So same amount of points as the Czech Republic, but with just one goal, a plus one goal differential. Croatia, very good team, but has underperformed arguably it sits in third with one point with a negative one goal differential and then scotland is in fourth with one point minus two goal differential so this week we got czech republic playing england and croatia plays scotland no one is guaranteed safe i mean Czech Republic and England have that magic number four already, so you'd think they could go on, but some shit could happen. So this past week, how did we get here, essentially? This past week, England versus Scotland. That happened on Friday. England was very mediocre. They were expected to just absolutely destroy Scotland. It's a big rivalry match. We sort of previewed it, or or I mentioned hyping it up 
before it happened. Bones downplayed it, but that's because Bones doesn't understand that these two countries really don't like each other. There's a history. Bones started watching soccer like in the last five years. Scotland hasn't made a major tournament since 1998. So, of course, he doesn't know the, the significance of this, but that's okay. You don't think I know? Oh, hold on, hold on. You're just, you're, you're throwing stones at me here. But, you don't think I understand the significance of the rivalry between the countries? It, it doesn't extend to just soccer. It's jurisdictionally. Yep, that's true. So you just didn't think I, I'd ever read a history book? No, I still don't think you have it. You maybe have watched Braveheart. I have watched Braveheart. It's yeah. one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. So, okay. Anyways, this match, England was a very mediocre, very low energy, and they couldn't break down Scotland's defense, which is, you know, not really that good of a defense. They had Scott McTominay playing as a center back. He's he's a sort of a defensive midfielder. So that sort of, sort of paints the picture. England lacked creativity. Southgate makes just so many questionable decisions. We brought it up. We brought it up previously, but he, for example, England was having a really tough job breaking down Scotland's defense. You know, they were, they were packing it in. They were making it as difficult as possible. Not a lot of space in within the box for players to make runs. They needed to get more creative. So what does Southgate do? Well, he takes off one of his most creative players in Phil Foden and then replaces him with Jack Grealish. I think, putting Jack Grealish on the field was the right move, except you should have taken off Sterling. You're having trouble breaking teams down. Sterling isn't a team, a player to break, break a team down. He's a, he makes good runs and he's horrible at finishing the ball. He doesn't, he doesn't kick off the, the play, if you will. So for me, what would have made more sense is keep on a creative player like Phil Foden. Not only is he creative, but also can score take off Sterling who just runs around like a dinosaur and put on Jack Grealish on the left where he plays. Or what you could have done is take off Sterling, move Foden to the left and put on Jaden Sancho on the right. Jaden Sancho has 20 assists like every season in the Bundesliga. He's one of the most creative players they have. He hasn't played a single minute in this tournament. It's unbelievable. So I don't know what Southgate was thinking, and on top of it, they just were low energy. Scotland looked like they wanted it more. It seems, you know, it's cliche, right? But they were everywhere, and they were going hard into the tackles. <laughs> the quality difference is was so obvious. You can see it with just watching the players' first touch. Like England, their players, every one of those players' first touch is phenomenal. Scotland was, you know, couldn't couldn't actually control the ball anytime they tried to pass the ball. But they they just out hustled. Went in hard on the tackles. John McGinn was outstanding the entire match. He he got an early yellow card. He, he's a midfielder. He plays normally for Aston Villa. Uh, he's is a nickname that I, I don't think it's actually stuck, but I heard an announcer say one time he's a keg with legs. He's just a short, stocky guy. Again, high energy. He was all over the field. He got the early yellow card, so I was a little nervous that he either would, one, get the second yellow card, or two, he would sort of play a little bit more conservative but it didn't slow him down at all he was amazing he was the engine for the team Tierney of Arsenal and Robertson of Liverpool they're both left backs 
They played sort of one played as like a left center back and one played as a left wing back, but they were very interchangeable and they were both making those runs into the box. And that actually gave England a lot of trouble. So that was a really interesting dynamic. The match ended up zero, zero. That's a win for Scotland in my book. And it sets them up perfectly to go into the final, final game of the group, Scotland versus Croatia. Croatia's, a much better team than Scotland, but if they can pull off the upset, they get to move on, which would just be an unbelievable story for Scotland. You think they got a chance, Bones? It's tough. I, I, I don't, but I second everything that you said about England. I, I think this is a defining moment in their progress as a, as a footballing nation. They went from kind of the golden era that underperformed to now this era where you've got a lot of very talented younger players, but you need solid direction. And I don't think Southgate is capable of giving that. He's proven that he can ostracize um, and alienate his players. He doesn't necessarily make good selections. Actually, he doesn't make good selections. So just be clear cut about that. I think even if they do move on in this tournament, I think that there needs to be a a larger discussion about his future because I just don't think that he'll get them over the hump. He, if if they don't win the tournament, even if he gets them to the final, I have a feeling he gets sacked because he's just making like the most ridiculous. I don't, I just don't get, I don't get what he's thinking at all. His, his team selection is outrageous. And then he was quoted today or I don't know if I saw the quote today. I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but Someone asked him about the lack of use of Jaden Sancho, and he goes, you know, he's he basically said he's too inexperienced. He's he's confident in his team selection because, you know, he's picking guys that have had experience in the Euros, have experience in big games and that sort of thing. But he's been playing, like, for example, Declan Rice. Declan Rice has no experience in any big match, period. He's a fantastic player, but saying experience is the tiebreaker – Declan Rice wouldn't be playing and he's played every match and for the full time. So I don't know. Southgate's a clown. That's all I got to say. And England fans, if you're listening, you would you rather you can't have both. I promise you that you can't have euros and world cup. If you had to pick one, it's a no brainer. You'd rather win the world cup. The best way, the best way to position yourself for winning the world cup is losing the euros in embarrassing fashion Southgate gets sacked and they'll bring in a real manager that knows what to do with all of this talent. Any manager would want to manage England at this point. I mean, the, the talent is so insane and they're all about to hit their prime just in time for the world cup. And if you win the world cup with England, you're a God in the sport. So it's perfect. England, England fans spin zone. You should be hoping that you lose. (laughs) (laughs) okay let's move on well in summary biggest part of that is scotland versus croatia that's on tuesday yeah that's on tuesday that is a just guys cheer for scotland okay just cheer just cheer for scotland okay i don't know i'd like to see croatia one more time they're not going to do anything okay thank you yep 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 Okay, Group E. Moving on to Group A. Group E, sorry. Another group that's still wide open. We got Sweden sitting in first with four points. Slovakia in second with three points. Spain, the heavy favorites for this group, sitting in third with two points. And then Poland with 
one point. Spain has been exactly what we expected. If you go back to the Euro preview show, which honestly, you should still go back and check that out because it's very relevant. We, we spent most of the time breaking down the, the top eight favorites, and it looks like almost all of them are going to be moving on. There's, Spain is a questionable one. But basically what we said is that they have a great midfield. They have a solid defense, maybe not experienced playing with each other because, you know, they've had the old guard for so long. You know, they had PK and they had uh, Ramos, but and both of them are not playing. So but they have young, talented defenders playing and they've been they've been solid on the on the defense, but they don't have anyone to score goals. They drew against Sweden in the first match. We're talking Spain here. Spain drew with Sweden 0-0. Spain had 75 percent of the possession, which is unheard of you 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 see those type of numbers like 20 minutes into a game but over a full 90 minutes it's never it never stays at 75 25 on top of that spain had 17 shots four on target so horrible rate of on target versus sweden's four so spain absolutely dominated this game had all the possession should have had a million shots couldn't score a goal this past weekend played against poland spain against poland ended 1-1, 1-1, very similar, had a 69% possession, nice, had 11 shots, Poland only had five. It's just, it's like a, we knew their attack was bad, but this is almost like a caricature of how bad an attack can be. I, I mean, I think we've beat the point to death. I, I think Spain are wildly overrated and... I mean, it, it's kind of sad because you'd love to see them be competitive, but they, they're just so far from from where they were um, at the pedestal of international football winning three consecutive tournaments. It, it's sad. I mean, they are so bad. What's interesting with this group, so at this point, if you've caught any of Sweden's games, you would not be terribly impressed, especially if you watch them against Spain. They just were sitting ducks the whole time. But... <laughs> They've pretty much they've qualified. They've they've got the magic number. They got four points. So whether they they might finish first in the group, they might finish third. Well, they'll probably still do their best to gain at least one point because their biggest threat at this point is still got to be Spain, even though they're sitting in third. But if they get one point, then they most likely will finish first, even if Spain wins. So the other game is Spain versus Slovakia. On Thursday, Spain has to win that because they have two points. They draw one point, it gets them to three. And like we said, if you're going to be a third place team, you need that magic number of four. So Spain has to beat Slovakia. Slovakia, on the other hand, just needs a draw most likely. And based on how Spain has played, I think this match might be kind of a coin flip. I mean, Spain will be heavy favorites, but Slovakia is not a bad team. Um, I'm, blank, I'm blanking on his name. The guy with the mohawk who's played for them for uh, the last 40 years. Yeah. Uh, not Tom Millich. Sick. Um, I'm sick. Wild dude. Yeah. So that's the game to watch on Thursday, Spain, Slovakia. It would be, I don't even know what to say. If Spain got knocked out, they were fifth favorites based on the odds to win the Euros. <laughs> and they might not get out of a group with Sweden Slovakia and Poland. Yeah, that's horrible. But as you and I both said, it was irrational 
we don't we don't know what was going into those odds, but they were incorrectly skewed towards Spain performing well, which we which we surmised would not happen. Right. Okay. Let's move on to the last group and arguably not arguably for yeah, a fact, the most exciting group. It's the group of death. Although I haven't heard that that phrase get thrown that much thrown around that much. But anyways, this group we got France is in first after beating Germany one nil with an own goal, which is kind of crazy. And then shockingly drawing with Hungary. So France sits at the top with four points. They play Portugal on Wednesday. France will want they they got the four points, right? So not no panic, but they'll probably want to try to get the number one spot. So they're going to be going for it. Their team is also pretty stacked that they can throw out some, some scrubs, but Portugal obviously is, is not guaranteed. I'll get in that in a second. So that's a, that's going to be a really intriguing match to watch. Germany is currently in second in the group with three points with a plus one goal differential. They have been, I would say they've in their two performances, we've gotten a mixed bag. As mentioned, they lost to France one nil, but they were outplayed significantly. I mean, France could have easily, easily won three or four nil, but then Germany plays Portugal after they, the performance they've had against France, you'd think, Oh man, they could get in trouble with, with Portugal, but they put the boots to Portugal. They won four two. it did help that they got two own goals by Portugal. But honestly, if, if the Portuguese players didn't score those goals, then, then a German player was right there within an inch and they would have scored anyways. So yeah, I will, I have my opinions and my my thoughts on what happened here, but Bones, since we didn't really catch up on it, what, what was your thought? You're the you're the German boy. What's up? Yeah, I, I thought it was it was a blast from the past. I thought they played really well offensively. I think there's still some issues defensively. I, I, it still perplexes me why why Matt Hummels. If you're going to bring back uh, an older defender, why Matt Hummels was the guy that you bring back. I think Jerome Boateng has proven that he's still the better player. Um, although Matt Hummels did have a ridiculous assist leading up to the Euros, which, you know, it's, it's classic Hummels. But, um, you know, it's it's nice to see them starting to get back to form. Um, Muller's playing well. Kimmich is playing well on the right. Um, I prefer him as a um, defensive midfielder and helping to fil- facilitate the offense through the middle, but he's played really well as a wing back. Uh, Robin Goosens uh, from Atalanta has been playing really well through the tournament. Um, you know, the attack itself, they were getting to very dangerous positions, both Kai Havertz and Serge Gnabry, but I wouldn't say that they have shown during the tournament that they have, um, they haven't shown their ability to score themselves. Um, obviously, um, Serge Gnabry has a ridiculous goal-scoring record for Germany. I think in 25 matches, he has 16 goals or something like that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a little concerning that they're not, they're not scoring as much from the front, from the front back. It's mostly from the back to, to the front. So you had ghost and scoring. Um, so that's a little concerning. But all in all, I thought it was a really good performance against a Portugal side that's playing really well, that's really strong, that we said, you know, could very well be the winners of the tournament. Um, But the fact that they were able to keep 
Ronaldo under wraps after he scored his first goal, you know, I, I think showed the resilience of, of the German squad that many of us have not seen since the World Cup 2014. Got it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's all That's all fair. That Gosen guy, I didn't know anything about him, but, you know, with the type of performance he's putting in, you'd expect he could make a big transfer this, this summer. That's usually what happens with these tournaments, right? You know, I think back to what, 2000. 12 World Cup, is that right? Or 2014? 2012 was Euro. Yeah, 20. Yeah, it was 2014 World Cup with uh, James playing for Colombia. Yep. After that year, transferred to transferred to Real Madrid for big time monies. But yeah, uh, he's having a great game or tournament. Yeah, basically what Germany did, they they stretched out the back four of Portugal and they did it so well. And it got Ruben Diaz, Pepe, and the two fullbacks just stretched out way too wide, left wide open lanes for Germany to make runs. Um, Germany was going all like with the with Kimmich and and Gosen or whatever they they just overloaded the the oh, yeah. defense and it was working every single time, sending balls in. Portuguese, I I was shocked. I, I, on paper, this Portuguese. Defense should at least be disciplined and, you know, they're either incredibly experienced in the back line or they have some, like, legit stud defenders. So I thought that was really surprising. The The Portuguese attack was kind of what we expect. It's like a they're, – they're a – Portugal's attack is a Ferrari and their defense apparently is a Pontiac Aztec. Ooh. It's – Yowza. I mean, it was real bad, and you know, I'm I'm kind of a, a Portugal fan for this tournament, and I can't say too many nice things about it, except for one awesome takeaway from it was that I got to watch Ronaldo take Rudiger sold. <laughs> Dude, Ronaldo, you know, we were talking about it. It's nice that he. Didn't have the strongest mat- match. You know, I, I a lot of people are are saying that he didn't have the strongest match after he scored his goal. What? I think Germany made some adjustments so that they could control him a little bit more and put I up more pressure know on him. About that, regardless, he the guy is still he's still just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the amount of shit that he was doing, the the fact that he ran the length of the field in like what ten seconds to score. It's it's nuts. Yeah, he's a freaking nature. So if you didn't see the match, he at one point, basically Rudiger was defending him as a a long ball got sent into Ronaldo. Ronaldo first touch was off the chest, and then he did this cheeky no look karate kick back heel pass perfectly to Jota, and Rudiger just he buckled and had no idea what was going on. He was, and he was draped all over Ronaldo while he was doing it. And he just absolutely bodied him. It was amazing. I, I strongly dislike Rudiger. So specifically for that, I was, why do you happy. strongly dislike Rudiger? Because he's a fake tough guy. He, t- he starts shit every single match. He gets in people's faces, but you, when, when someone actually addresses him, he doesn't do anything. He kind of backs off. He's a fake uh, tough guy. I, I don't like where you're going with this. I, well, it's true. I, I'm a big Rudiger guy. Yeah, well, you have bad taste. Wow. Yeah, said it. 
Jeez. And then also, sorry, and Ronaldo's goal was you 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 touched on it, but just to give a little bit more detail, they were defending a, a corner, I believe, and he was literally the last player furthest back. Like he was two feet outside of the goal of his own goal, defending. They clear the ball, go on the break, and he outsprint. He starts in last place essentially, outsprints everyone to beat everyone to the goal to get the goal on the other end. He's 36 years old and he was outrunning 25 year old prime professional athletes. He's a freak of nature. Yeah. I mean, it's always great to see him play. Although I'm, I'm happy that Germany came away with the win. Yeah. Yeah. So what does this mean? Well, Portugal is definitely, there's, there's a very real threat. There's a very good chance they don't move on. So they sit with three points and they have to play France who is the best team in, in the tournament, it'll be like I said. It'll be interesting to see what France isn't at risk, isn't at risk uh, of missing out. On, like they'll, they're going to move on to the knockout stage, but they'll definitely want to position themselves the best they can. So, you know, while balancing health and that sort of stuff. So I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see what France does as far as how they pick their lineup. I think they're going to go pretty strong, and then. Portugal is going to have to go all out for it, right? They, at a minimum, they need a point. Um, but, like, you can't – they're going to have to take this as serious as possible because it's France, right? France is just so good. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I do think that all three of them move ahead. Uh, I think France showed that they do have some blemishes um, and in their match against Hungary. And I think that, you know, because they're not at risk of losing uh, or not moving on, that – Maybe they rest some some legs because they've essentially been running the same players um, with few exceptions. And so moving into a, a knockout stage that's going to be pretty grueling, it's possible that they rest a couple of players. And, yeah. uh, and yeah. there's no way that Portugal will be resting any of their, their top guns, obviously, because they need the win or, or at least a point. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a strong possibility that all three move ahead. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I, I'm, I'm pretending to be a Portugal fan, so that'd be good. Okay, so that covers all the groups. There's a lot of games this week that don't really matter, but then there are there's still plenty to play for. So the games go until, I believe, Wednesday. Then there's a break, and the knockout stage starts next weekend. So, yeah, we'll probably do a little bit of a preview of the knockout stage once all the teams are, are qualified. So... Look out for that, and yeah, that's all I got to say. Bones, you got anything else? See you later, or see you another time.